Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblical Archaeology Today. I am so grateful you're here, and I'm very thankful to be your host. We're looking at the express.co.uk. Also, I was looking at it on igr.com, but it's really all over the internet, let's just say. And this is on September 9th, 223 is when I'm making this. Archaeologists discovered 2,000-year-old biblical site where Jesus healed blind man. Notice the authority with which this secular newspaper pronounces that, not purported to heal a blind man and all this. Wow. So let's get started. Thanks for being here. Join us daily. There's also some other finds at the end of this we may get into, depending on how long this one takes. But again, we're just so thankful you're here. This is done by Bernadette Giacomazzo. I hope I got that name right. Biblical records say that Jesus Christ healed a blind man at the Pool of Siloam more than 2,000 years ago. A famous site where Jesus Christ is said to have healed a blind man has been uncovered in an archaeological dig. The Pool of Siloam has been unearthed after more than 2,000 years of being covered in the desert. The site in Jerusalem, which was first consult, excuse me, constructed in the 8th century B.C., uh, during the reign of King Hezekiah was found thanks to a joint effort by the Israel Antiquities Authority, the Israel National Parks Authority, and the City of David Foundation. Its discovery is proving to be momentous for followers of Christianity. The ongoing uh, excavations within the City of David, the historic site of biblical Jerusalem, particularly of the Pool of Siloam and the Pilgrimage Road, Roads serve as one of the greatest affirmations of heritage and the millennia-old bond Jews and Christians have with Jerusalem, as the Orenstein, director of the International Affairs City of David Foundation, said in a statement. Now, it does have a beautiful classic picture here, full color, and it says the parable of Jesus healing the blind man is popular in Christianity. Obviously, I, I think, I don't know that that's deliberate. We know it's not a parable, it's a historical event, but I, I know a lot of people that kind of have cursory knowledge of the Bible and Christianity would refer to something like this as a parable. It could be intentional, but I would also, you know, love believeth all things. I would say there's a chance it's not intentional as well. Not simply as a matter of faith, but as a matter of fact, fact. And that's what the City of David Foundation. The Pool of Siloam, which reached more than 1.25 acres at its peak, gave the city of David its running water. According to a passage in the Gospel, according to John, the pool is also where Jesus restored a blind man's vision. This would be John 9. Incredible picture of it here. There's no half mile that means more to more people that affirms Jerusalem's biblical heritage, not simply as a matter of faith, but as a matter of fact, Ornstein further said. And obviously, living in a time where so much of biblical heritage is being questioned, to be able to be unearthing all of this historical heritage, notice not just one thing, an antiquity that shows that whether for Jews or Christians, that you could see it, you could touch it, you could walk it. Really, our heritage in Jerusalem, going back thousands of years, excuse me, not simply a matter of faith, but a matter of fact, being unearthed here in the city of David. It's unclear whether the Pool of Siloam will be open to the public. Now, I did want to say, too, when I was in Israel in 210, they were talking about this then, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, 
But I mentioned there were some other recent discoveries in uh, that time period. And not necessarily the Holy Land, but let's go into that really quick. And this is by Joel Day. Same website, express.co.uk. How the biggest ever Roman treasure trove was unearthed in a sleepy UK village. Tens of thousands of gold Roman coins were found purely by chance in a seemingly ordinary Suffolk field. I mean, I just was stunned by this. Ten, I'm not talking about a hundred, not talking about a thousand, tens of thousands. The Romans controlled Britain for three and a half centuries and more than 300 years of empire's influence, filtering into and across much of the island. Emperor Claudius, which I, I read a great biography of him one time, waded through the waters of the English Channel in AD 43, was met with fierce resistance from the various Celtic tribes that had brung up, uh, sprung up until then reigned supreme. The Romans started a rebellion in AD 60 in the process cementing their rule. Was that that lady? I can't remember her name now. I almost had it and then it left me. But they would spend much of their time in Britain fighting remnants of the fierce warriors. Man, they tell stories of the Druids dragging Roman sentries and sacrificing them uh, at night <laughs> where the Romans could hear them scream, the tortures and all this. They, the Romans were, they were a lot of superstition. Which for such a long application period, Roman culture flourished in Britain with many traces of its influence found even today. Londonium. When I was teaching at a Bible school in the UK in uh, like 2005-ish time period, I was totally shocked at how easily accessible Roman coins were. And it just, oh yeah, we found it. Now, not gold and usually not silver, just regular, you know, drachmas or something, denarii. But yeah, I mean, they like you go to flea markets and these are not reproductions. These are the real deer. Like, oh yeah, we find troves of them. But what makes this one obviously so big is it's gold. Roman relics are regularly found up and down the country, as I mentioned, but none have been more impressive in modern times that which metal detectionist Eric Laws unearthed on a cold November day in 1992. They also unearthed the remains of a tiny dog in a Roman site. Going back to this one, the retired gardener had taken up metal detecting as a hobby when he unearthed the biggest hoard of Roman gold and silver ever found, not just in the UK, in the entire Roman Empire. So that's incredible. In a short time, they unearthed slightly fewer than 15,000 gold, silver, and bronze coins, as well as countless items uh, of jewelry. Adjusted for inflation, the hoard is worth uh, right at 25 million pounds. It has a uh, beautiful Empress pepper pot found during the excavations contain jewelry and precious tableware. I mean, that's pretty incredible, just the intricacy of that. An inquest was held 10 months later, declared the Hoxney Hoard treasure trove, and in November of 1993, he was paid 1.75 million pounds for finding the hoard. And I'm always glad about that. And, and I love this part of the story. He shared the money with Peter Watling, the friend whose hammer he was searching for. So he was metal detecting trying to find a hammer and found the, the biggest treasure trove of Roman antiquities ever discovered that we know of. So later field surveys and excavations at the field found yet more Roman relics, including another four gold coins and 81 silver coins, 
uh, beautiful jewelry as well. So archaeologists think the hoard was the accumulated private wealth of an affluent family who either lived at the site or nearby Scully. I love reading about Londonium as well, London, ancient London. And uh, these were buried in about the 5th century. This is the 400s. And yes, that is the time that uh, Rome was crumbling. Uh, several different invasions. Now, uh, there's a Stonehenge breakthrough. Amazing discovery could finally reveal the site's mystery. And this was September 2nd, 223. The British Isles in Brittany are best known for stone circle structures which hail from the late Neolithic, early Bronze Age. There are more than a thousand examples of stone circles in Britain alone, with Scotland taking up the bulk of this share of 508 sites. There's some of these in North America and European uh, continent. There's another archaeologist astonishing new human species found in African underworld, found one in cave in France, the uh, golden egg at the bottom of the sea, 3.7 miles. But we're not looking at that. We're looking at this. They're also found all over the world. We mentioned similarly built thousands of years ago. The reasons for their existence vary. Well, many of them remain mysteries to researchers, including the most famous of them all, Stonehenge. One previous discovery off the coast of Israel could go some way in explaining the key details about the rocks found in the Salisbury Plain. The find, which came just off the small Israeli town of, and let me make sure I pronounce it right, Atlit, A-T-L-I-T, was explored during the Smithsonian Channel short documentary, Stonehenge-like structures, been found all over the world. I've done some, like, book reviews on that over at the New Life of Albany channel on YouTube. In 1984, maritime archaeologist Ehud Galil, Galili made a routine dive 400 meters offshore searching for shipwrecks. Because on this ship, he, trip, he came across an ancient sunken settlement. The wall was once part of a house when days more foundations were found. Skeletons of the people who once called the site home were also found. They found about 15 homes. Population between 70 to 150 people at one time. We found walls, dwellings, and on and on and so forth. It's about 9,000 years old, making it one of the oldest human settlements on Earth. I might would dispute that age by a few millennia, but that's not too outlandish. At the center of the former village stood a mysterious stone circle in a near-perfect condition. Now, that was off the coast of Israel. What does that have to do with Stonehenge? Well, researchers say it offers a unique insight into understanding why the stone circle structure was made in the first place. Got a great picture here of UK stone circles. The settlement's one of the world's oldest, had cup marks carved on them. Researchers believe that once acted as holders for cups, suggesting that the stone circle may have been used for some water ritual. Hmm. Mystery religions, proto baptism. Another installation found within stone saw grooves carved through oval stones that form anthropomorphic figures, potentially figurines of little gods. When you're looking at Stonehenge, you're looking at a culmination of labor of people, extraordinary use of resources, astonishingly complex, perfectly executed area that it is. And also, maybe even the existence of giants to do some of the hinge work, you know, putting these massive several ton stones on top of two other several ton, ton stones. Every time we find a new stone monument, it gives us another piece of evidence, that detective hunt. And so, 
pretty interesting. Here's some other things they found recently. Ancient tar and mortar found in Iraq hints a compelling clue about the Bible. And uh, secret library in Egypt offered treasure trove of early biblical text. I'm making myself a note here on my iPad as we're doing this. My iPad, as is so often the case, is moving very slow. I think I know this one on the secret library. Uh, a religion uh, came to Egypt 100 years before it arrived in Britain around AD 33. And that's disputed. It's probably in Britain in the 40s AD, if not even before. Uh, so let's see here. The story goes that Curzon got a blind mutt drunk. This is in 1834. Showed him a secret library within the monastery. He found Christian manuscripts, several gospel fragments, all written in ancient Syriac, similar to the language Jesus would have spoken. This would be Aramaic, basically. Curzon went home. Oh, this is the Mount Athos. Gained huge traction by 1881. Curzon completed a further six expeditions to the Levant and the surrounding region. So, uh, visit to the monasteries in the Levant. Yeah, Mount Athos has had a lot of ancient manuscript discoveries. There's like books just dedicated to that. So, God bless. We're just so grateful you're here with us. Join us daily. They're finding things about the Bible constantly. So we'll talk with you later. God bless you.